Hey there, Tobias here, and welcome to another episode of Changemakers, which is a series that I do, you know, that's broadcast on the podcast, Extraordinary Podcast, also inside our free Facebook group and a little bit here and there. And what the Changemaker series is really about, I'm interviewing inspiring people, inspired people, people who want to do stuff that changes the world for the good. So big visionaries, big thinkers, or just very ambitious people who think beyond, you know, themselves, who want to create something that matters. And usually that's something original. And so uh, today I have the privilege to talk to Scott Goodson, who is the founder and CEO of an agency, a marketing and design and advertising company called Strawberry Frog. And Strawberry Frog has been doing groundbreaking work for a long time, since the 80s. And so in this conversation, Scott and I discuss the role of purpose, what it means to not only have a purpose or, you know, pay lip service to purpose, but to actually activate purpose. And hence, his new book is out and it's called Activate Brand Purpose. And so, you know, we, we went really deep into this subject and Scott is a really, really nice and smart man. So he shares a lot of insight, a lot of stuff from the book. And, uh, you know, we also get into talking about what is wrong with the world today and how to fix it. So, you know, you know bring out your notebook and uh, really enjoy this episode and uh, feel free to connect with me and Scott. I'm going to provide some links and I really hope that you enjoy the series and particularly this episode with Scott. And today I'm super excited to share. I have a really special guest today. Scott Goodson is here from Strawberry Frog. I love the name Hello. Strawberry Frog, by the way, and uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself shortly. And he's here to talk about how to activate brand purpose. And that is a really topical thing uh, for us, especially people in brand consulting and coaching and consulting and agencies. I feel like pretty much everyone wants to work with purpose and also with sustainability. So I'm super excited to have you, Scott. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. There's so much to talk about. And, uh, you know, before we dive into the book, I know there's like a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about that you write about in the book. I'd love to ask you first, how did you become, you know, you? How did you get your job? What's your story? If you could share. Well, I, <laughs> I grew up wanting to do good in the world. I know it sounds a bit hokey. I, I went to university to study law. I did an undergrad degree and then I wanted to go into law. And I was originally, I was from Canada and I wanted to uh, help indigenous people and, um, and fishermen and other, other sort of social issues that were going on at the time. And when I was in university, I met a, a woman from um, Barbados who uh, was the daughter of a carpenter. She was going to university in Canada. She was incredibly bright. And she said to me one day, she wanted to be the president of the university. And I, um, you know, I said, okay, well, I'll be your campaign manager. If you, you know, if I say, if I say jump, you say how high and <laughs> I'll agree, I'll agree to do that. So I did that. And she was, uh, she wasn't even, you know, written about in the newspaper because she was of course a woman, she was black, she was from another country. She wasn't from Canada. Anyway, by the end of the campaign, she won 68% of the vote. And I realized the power of communications and the whole theme of the work that, that we did was that was woman's time and come. This is of course in the early eighties. So it's a different time. Um, and I just, I left that 
with you know an incredibly deeply illuminating understanding of the power of communication and that it had so many there's so many jobs that need to be done to help change uh, minds for the positive so that was really the sort of the starting point for me awesome and then you went on to found the company strawberry frog i mean i'm sure there's a lot of things that happen in between and feel free to share but that's the journey you've been on for the past 20 25 years if i'm not mistaken a few more years than that but yes i i sort of had the idea back in the uh in the 90s that you could have a smaller more um innovative faster digitally enabled um marketing company that could you know be set up and do global uh work for global brands and do it you know better faster cheaper and more innovatively than these huge corporate firms. So we started Strawberry Frog in Amsterdam, um, and we started working for Heineken globally and, and Credit Suisse, Capgemini in Paris, um, Hachette, which is the corporation behind L. Uh, we worked with um, a lot, you know, Google when Google was just starting up, Emirates in Dubai. Mahindra in India, a lot of huge companies on an international scale. So it actually proved to be accurate. That hypothesis was was accurate. Companies were looking for better uh, ways of solving their marketing problems, both inside the company and, and among consumers. So that was really the starting point of Strawberry Frog. Um, and then it grew quite rapidly and we've been working internationally for about 20 some odd years. Some really exciting and some big, you know, challenging um, business problems. Now, I need to ask you, what's, what's, where does that name come from? Strawberry Frog, I love it, by the way. Thank you. So you probably think it comes from a Amsterdam coffee shop. Um, <laughs> but uh, there is actually a rationale behind it. We started the company in Amsterdam as a competitor to the large, you know, bureaucratic corporate uh, marketing companies. And we were looking for a name that was the opposite of what at the time, company people were calling dinosaurs. And so we looked for the opposite, which was a small, agile little frog. And we chose the world's most um, rare, the rarest frog, which happens to be actually a strawberry frog uh, oh. in the Amazon Delta. It actually exi exists. It's called Dendobates pumilio, which is a, the Latin name. Um, but it, it represented really sort of the faster, better, smarter, approach than the dinosaur. And uh, we yeah. thought that was a great namesake. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because usually names do, you know, have a philosophy behind them. And that's why I'm also curious to hear about that. So we, we got into this a little bit already, what you guys are doing as Strawberry Frog and so forth. And I'd love to hear like the whole kind of philosophy and we can kind of segue into the book, Activate Brand Purpose that you wrote together. I believe it's your colleague and partner. Uh, Correct. Wrote it with yeah. So what is really the change that you are seeking, the change that you want to create in the world through what you're doing? We start there like really Yeah. So I think the change we want to create is for, I mean, to put it simply, to move what I call woke CEOs to become warrior CEOs and to really take their companies uh, and not, not just simply, you know, think about generating profit, but solving big world problems. Like, you know, why just start a business when you can, in fact, solve 
a big problem. And uh, when you do that in today's world, you're gonna you're gonna be profitable. You're going to also attract better talent. You're gonna keep better employees. You're gonna bring in like-minded clients and customers. So there's a lot of benefits to being this warrior CEO uh, or warrior entrepreneur who wants to solve bigger issues. So that to me is what I'd like to see, um, you know, my impact on the world, the change I'd like to, to bring about. Yeah. What is the, the consequence of that at best? Like what is, what does that lead to? What does that matter in your opinion? Well, I think addressing um, those issues uh, on a personal level, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, the world is full of problems. The enormity of the problems we're facing, you know, during the last year and, and moving forward need to be solved. And, yeah. uh, you know, each one of those represents an immense opportunity for a business, a startup, a leader. Uh, you know, why focus um, on ideas the world does not need? you know, when there's good business and solving problems. I think that mindset is is needed. I also think that it's in the interest of companies to drive positive change because if you poison your consumer, if you make their life uh, miserable, if you make it hard for them to earn a, a, a wage, uh, if you make it difficult to get a job, if, you know, all of those limitations that, you know, companies have actually been part of over the last over the last decades and centuries. You're basically continuing to destroy the planet and our society. So you know, we need to wake up and 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 teach and inspire CEOs to start to drive positive change. And the way that we are recommending we do that is by defining a purpose, which is, of course, what everybody talks about in Simon Sinek, you know, find your why. It's kind of like finding your belly button. And once you find your belly button, then what do you do? You know, I yeah. found my belly button. Now I know I have my purpose. Now what? And yeah. the whole thesis of the book is how do we move people from toothless purpose to action? How do we yeah. get them to take that beautifully framed purpose on the side of their wall and turn that into a button for for galvanizing people inside and outside. That's the that's the book, you know, and that's the yeah. idea. I love that because while you were going into this you know, topic, I was thinking that you know that's on everybody's lips, and this has been for maybe the past ten years or so. But it's exactly what you say. I know that as as a brand consultant, it's like you can just not sense that it's real. In, in most companies, inside most companies. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think they pay lip service to it? Or maybe it's just like checking the box. Where's the Because they've been, they've been teaching this in business school forever. I mean, there's a book called How Harvard Business School Ruined the World. I mean, you don't have to go back that far. You know, you can go back to the 1970s when one of the world's most acclaimed economists, um, a guy named Milton Friedman from the university in Chicago, came out and said, this is all about shareholder value. No, yeah. he's wrong. And in yeah. fact, in the United States, we have a, a, a organization called the Business Roundtable, which has over 180 of the largest, of the CEOs of the largest companies. And they very recently, you know, two years ago came out and said, no, Milton Friedman actually had it wrong. They didn't say it like that, but they basically said, no, it's not about shareholders, it's about stakeholders. 
And you know, stakeholders are employees in the community and, and the world at large. So that's the first thing. And then just very recently, like two weeks ago, they did an about face and they said, the purpose of a corporation is to ensure that the economy works for every American because they're seeing how companies are in concert with uh, other forces to destroy our, our economy, our society, and they need to rethink the way that they go to market. So having a purpose and activating it is really the key for to solve those issues. Yeah, 100%, yeah. What would you say, like, what do you see in your work? What is like, what is really broken inside companies? Like we mentioned a few things already, but like, what would you say without maybe, I mean, you can go into specific companies if you like, but where, where do you think that really like, the, what's that breaking point? I think the, the breaking point is that there is a level of reasonableness and I don't know, I, I think of it, I mean, in Scandinavia and in Finland where you're based, people in business are incredibly smart and very successful and innovative. But I think they go to market with a, um, I, I wouldn't call it a soul necessarily, but let's say a, a common goal that we shouldn't harm other people. We shouldn't harm the planet. We, we should succeed without destroying everything. So I think that mentality is needed here. Uh, everywhere. Yeah. Needed in China, it's needed here, it's needed in Brazil. Uh, you know, if we're going to solve these issues, we need to have that that mindset. And, you know, the, the challenge is that people just don't think that way. They think about how do I beat the competition? How do I generate as much profit as possible? And, you know, as a result, you know, we have the five largest companies in the history of the planet, these tech companies that are completely, unreg you know, unregulated, who are dividing society, who are not all of them, but majority, you know, yeah. a couple of them are just incredibly destructive. They have no purpose at the core of their organization. It's almost as like, you know, they, they claim they have like uh, ethics leadership inside these companies. You know, I've, I always argued when I was in university that you can't become an engineer unless you do at least one year of course of philosophy. You know, unfortunately, that's not the case. So you get incredibly talented engineers who know how to do behavioral science and they can design, they know how to manipulate the mind and psychology. They can devise and design technology with all the blips and colors and motivations for you to be addicted to your phone and, 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 and connected to your social friends and all that stuff without having ethics. And uh, so, you know, that's just one example of the kinds of issues that you know I, I think we're facing and where we have to backtrack. So it's so complicated. There are a lot of issues. Um, yeah. There's a great book that just came out by Rebecca Henderson. She's a professor at Harvard Business School called Reimagining Capitalism. And it really talks about this whole issue of how capitalism is the best system we have, but we have to really think it, rethink it because it's destroying our world. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean can't argue with that. And, you know, the, the question that this kind of is begging is like, what is the process? What's the, or the principles for creating this change? Because I also know how difficult that is. That is difficult work to change um, people, organizations, and, you know, society, communities. Yeah. How do you do that? It's not, no, actually, it's not that difficult. That's the whole point of the book. It's the whole point with Activate Brand Purpose is 
it's actually very simple. Because first of all, all CEOs right now want to find their purpose. It's kind of the, you know, for the last five years, it's what everybody's talking about. They talk about it in Davos, talk about it in, in the business roundtable. The SEC talks about it. Everybody's talking about it. So having a purpose is really, it's kind of on the checklist of things to do in, you know, good housekeeping as a CEO of a company. Um, the challenge is how do you use that purpose in such a way as you drive some form of positive uh, mindsets and actions among your employees, among your consumers in, in society, in the community. So it's actually really quite simple. The problem is how do you get leadership to move from simply intent to action? Yeah, That's really the crux of it. How do you start them on the path? Because once they get going, they get incredibly excited about it. And you know why? Because up to this point, their kids don't like what they do. Their kids hate them for what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. So if they can contribute, then their, their own family will be like, mom, wow, you're impressive. Or dad, you're that's incredible. You're not just making, we're not just getting a third jet to try to fly around the world in. We're actually positively contributing. That's amazing. So it's actually not that hard. Yeah, that's, but what is it that what is the resistance though like would you say you can convert people to purpose believers i don't know what the right term is uh or does it require that you recruit the right people even the right generation um well, I, think, does that work? I think i think the, the sorry to interrupt you the i think no, the, no, you uh, the uh the barrier is the the, the thought that okay yes this is a good thing. We should do it. However, does it generate profit? Does it actually drive positive growth inside the organization? And up to this point, we haven't been able to, you know, empirically, you know, prove that to be true. You know, we have a lot of different ways of measuring uh, different types of strategies. Um, and purpose has always kind of been nice to have, but hard to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, measure purpose and connect it with um, specific business success until recently. And that's why we worked together with the RepTrack company, which is used to be called the Reputation Institute. Um, but they're the world's leading AI research organization, incredibly uh, modern. And we've done the world's first empirical study of purpose-based companies and purpose-based brands. And if you go to purpose powerindex.com, you can see the first study, which was done in 1999, sorry, <laughs> which was done in 2019. Um, and then of course, because of the pandemic, we didn't do 2020, but we have just, we're in the process of doing 2021 for our second year. And it is absolutely uh, clear cut that purpose does drive uh, financial growth and other uh, KPIs that you can achieve. So we're starting to get the science behind the theory, and I think that yeah. will help uh, leaders understand. The other, the other barrier is it's um, companies haven't connected. I, I would say two things: companies have used purpose as a marketing tool and not as a business strategy. So it sits typically in the marketing department as surface. So mm. typically, you'll get a company they'll put a BLM sticker on their website or a pride sticker once a year during, you know, gay pride week. And they'll say, you know, we're, 
we're we're for pride, but then you know that that's really true. So the key is putting purpose at the core of business strategy, not in marketing strategy. And then the second thing is that you really do need to connect the sales organization with purpose. So that you know sales and marketing don't just go off and sell. They need to mm -hmm. activate their purpose in their in the way they bring their products to market. And if you do that, you can do some amazing things. Yeah. Um, and you know, think of yourself as a brand manager, you know, and your your boss says, okay, you know, here's a here's a cola. We have a purpose for this cola. Go and do some marketing. And the brand manager who's working, you know, for the next 18 months to sell and is measured and remunerated because of how many cans of pop they sell sits there and goes like, what? I mean, how do I use purpose to sell this? I, I can sell it with a creative ad, but no, you can actually come up with a really powerful uh, proposition with purpose, but you need that to come from the, you know, the, the, the business strategy. Yeah. So those are some of the barriers that we, that I think we need to overcome. Yeah. I mean, I fully buy into all that and I want to hear like how you go about the activation, uh, maybe a little bit through an experience I think a lot of people can relate to. It's like, I think of the dinosaurs of the industry, like the banks and the insurance companies, uh, the food industry, which I am really pissed off at because I think, you know, especially a father of two young kids, I feel like such, excuse my language, bullshit going on with the marketing and all that stuff. And like, not only like the, you know, rainforests and all that stuff we see on Netflix documentaries that make us mad, but also the stuff that that somehow is approved as this is healthy. I feel like we've been cheated by, especially by the food industry, but a lot of industries. And uh, I, I feel for me, it was like, I always get that feeling that they actually don't care about me, about my kids, about my economy, about, you know, like it just goes on and on and on. So I'm wondering like, that seems like a really, really big activation issue. And you mentioned like you drive from the top. Do you have more advice on like how you can do that inside the organization? Really, what, what, is, what does it look like? Well, I think humans, humans are for the most part, um, we're very, you know, we live in a default world. We, we tend to get up in the morning, brush our teeth, have breakfast, go to work, come home, have dinner, go to bed kiss our kids, play with them and so forth. You know, it takes a pandemic that locks us in our house with our kids who drive us insane to wake up and say, okay, we've got to change this. And I think what, you know, what we're seeing coming out of the pandemic is a real understanding by leadership, by, by business leaders that, okay, we really do need to drive some form of change. We can't continue the same path. So I think there's a realization. And with that realization, I think will come opportunities for leaders um, whether they're, you know, people directors, CHROs, um, who I think are in a completely new space today than they were pri prior to the pandemic. CHROs, Chief Human Resource Officer, really was an extension of the legal department and focused on compliance inside companies. But today coming, you know, in, in, in you know, these, these months of the pandemic, they really are, their moment has come for them to, um, to help lead wellness inside corporations, well-being being both physical and mental well-being. There's a huge mental health crisis in, in, in this country and probably in, in many countries. And um, in addition to that, there's also financial devastation, which affects employees. So productivity is low. You know, the, so internally, CHROs have a huge job 
um, CMOs, uh, I think we'll get, I think they're already there, a lot of the CMOs, I think they feel it intuitively because they're so close to the consumer, whereas other parts of the organization aren't. So they probably don't feel it, but I think mm -hmm. the CMOs there and we'll get support from the CHRO, from the CEO, even the CFO, I think CFOs are starting to understand that there's financial benefit. So it's coming slowly. And I think as, as stewards of business uh, consulting and, and strategy, brand strategy, I think it's it's a it's a really smart strategy for you as a as a brand leader to go into your clients, to go into companies and help them um, articulate a purpose and then activate it, figure out a way to activate it. And in the book, you know, we 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 look at many cases where companies have activated their purpose to solve a business problem and also drive some form of positive change. So you can actually do both. You know, it starts with what is the business problem we're trying to solve? And that could be anything from, we want to introduce a culture of innovation in our corporation. You know, we have a million employees or we have a half million employees. And, you know, we're a, we, we started as an innovative company. We're really an in, a retailer today. Really got to get back to innovation because that's the future. And how do you do that? You develop a purpose and you motivate people. You galvanize them, you get them excited and use that as a form of, uh, or a framework within which you can change minds, change habits, change rituals. And then uh, it, that leads to uh, new types of products and, and customer experiences. You know, it, it takes a holistic approach to change an organization. Um, but it's not that complicated once you boil, you know, break it down to what uh, those, those, those barriers I talked about. And, and if you think through it, you can actually get to a, a positive place. Yeah. So can you share someone who's doing it right? Like, sure. Uh, I mean, we've, there's, there's several out there. Um, and I just want to, I want to, um, before I, I share examples, just explain a, con a concept. Um, so there are brands that are highly activist oriented that are really leading what I describe as like large M movements to really change the world. And those are brands like Patagonia. You know, when I, when I mentioned Patagonia, you immediately say, wow, those guys are really committed to, um, you know, sustainability and solving these world problems. And, and not only are they working in the, in the, in the clothing uh, space, they just recently launched a food, uh, you know, they're moving in the food category. So you can actually buy sustainable foods through pat patagonia.com, at least in the US. I'm not sure about yeah. Europe. Um, so that's fantastic. But they're they're a hardcore activist group. And the, the president of that company came out recently and said, you know, if we piss people off, that's fine. You know, we don't care. That's what we're about. They're almost like the commercialization of Greenpeace, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a good term. Uh, and, and that's great. That's great. But not every company wants to be like that. Um, some companies want to drive positive change, but they want to they want to find something that's more relevant to what they do. And I'll give you an example. We've been working with a company here. It's a large bank called SunTrust, and this is you know a bank like any other bank. And um, they have subsequently become a company called Truist. They merged, so they're now a larger bank. But with SunTrust, um, they had a purpose called lighting the way to financial well-being, and what that means in a nutshell is, is helping the organization understand that they should stop focusing on products 
and start focusing on the customer, you know, get close to the customer and help them have that financial well-being. Now, the sentence, lighting the way to financial well-being, is a wonderful set of words that is highly inspiring. It's a bit theoretical to people inside the company and outside the company. You have to think about people working inside a bank are everything from high school graduates who work uh, in branches to highly educated um, mathematicians that work on you know investment strategy. What does lighting the way to financial well-being mean? How do we make it more galvanizing? So in the case of SunTrust, we designed a, a, we, we designed a movement called On Up. And On Up was a movement to help American and Americans move from financial stress to financial confidence. And, and movement, by the way, that's what you, you call campaigns movements, right? At Strawberry yeah. Blog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's a different, or, yeah, how do you define that? Well, you, you watch Netflix? Yeah. Not so much. I mean, but, yeah. Everybody's watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or streaming services, and fewer and fewer people are watching television, television advertising. So the advertising as a platform is quickly, uh, you know, disappearing. The yeah. way that so we're talking about a new way to engage people, the old way to engage people, the advertising construct. Now, of course, it's moved predominantly into digital marketing, but but even in digital marketing, it's difficult to to truly engage people to build a brand quickly. It's hard. Uh, so the 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 idea with movement thinking, which again is explained in this book, Activate Brand Purpose, is about using the principles of societal movements to motivate, create trust, inspire creativity, and engagement with with human beings. Now, those human beings can be people inside your company, i.e. your employees. They can be your customers. They can be your prospects. But you create a movement that people get really passionate about and they come into that movement and it creates a whole different dynamic than creative advertising that seeks to manipulate people. Now, having said that, of course, a movement can be manipulative to some extent, but because it's driving some form of positive change, that connection, I think that's okay. It gives it, um, in my opinion, the credibility it needs to be to be positive. And I think it helps different types of organizations realize how they can actually be con be contributors, net contributors to the economy rather than net, you know, um, de detractors of the economy. Or so, to me, that's that that's a, that's the answer. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's move on to something you called. Uh you call it purpose pitfalls. I want to lead into this through a story. I just had a conversation with one of my clients. It might be a little bit surprising uh, because it's kind of tilting the other way, but he told me he just stepped out of a role. He was leading one of the most respected advertising agencies in the US, perhaps in the world, I might add. He had 500 employees and he said, it's hard to be a white middle-aged man leading an agency right now. And he said, uh, everyone wants to turn that agency so much into something purposeful and, and sustainable that it kind of, they can't have an all hands meeting without HR coming in and telling some people are hurt and, you know, like everyone wants to rebrand it. They want to do stuff. So 
he was just saying like he thinks in some respects it's even going overboard and maybe that's that's a very extreme example i get it and i i, I wonder if that you've ever seen anything like that but i wanted to sort of go into talk about the pitfalls things to watch out for how not to do it and or things that you come across because you use the term purpose pitfalls well i think look anytime human beings are put into a situation that creates fear and anxiety, things happen, right? So yeah. we've been seeing massive fires in the West Coast of the United States, in Australia. We've been seeing massive hurricanes. We are seeing zo zoological disease and you know, come into our society and completely devastate the planet. I mean, you're seeing what's happening in India, for example. We've lived through it in New York. Um, in the you know during the February 2020, it was horrible. Um, when and and then we're seeing racial issues here. The you know the killing, the murder of George Floyd, um, and and every week there seems to be another uh, black person shot in this country. So there's a lot of fear, anxiety happening. And when people are anxious, they they become they just you know, it's, it, it, it creates a really emotional work environment. And I think what your friend is describing is we've gone from the default mode where everything was fine. It probably wasn't fine, but at least they tried to pretend it was fine. Yeah. And nobody said a word. And now people are coming to the office every day and there's some major issue that's happened and it really is frightening. And, and as a leader in today's world, you need to be able to, you know, ground your people and say, you know what, these are real issues. We need to be part of solving these issues. We can't just stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and hope everything goes away because that ain't gonna happen. So, you know, if people inside the organization feel intimidated or challenged or fearful because for the first time, you know, black uh, people in the United States or women I know Finland has more women in business than perhaps, and definitely than the United States in senior positions. And, and you female, have the systems and yeah. what's that? And a female prime minister actually. And, and a female prime minister. Yeah. Well, you have the systems and, and structures that support women in business. Um, but anyway, those are real issues, right? I mean, yeah. think about it, you know, just one example. I mean, we talked about, you know, racial issues. That's a, it's a real issue. So helping um, bring, uh, people of you know of different ethnic backgrounds, different sexual preferences, um, all sorts of you know uh, things that are important in, in in people's lives and respecting that. That's going to change the dynamic. That's going to change from yes, from a bunch of white guys running a company to a different mosaic of 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 individuals leading the company. Yeah, absolutely, and that may be uncomfortable for some people. But that's where the world is going and it's about time you know yeah. i mean this country has 13 percent of the population are black people there are not 13 percent of the black people running communication and marketing companies in the united states i'll tell you right now yeah. and so that that that's got to change and so we're we're living through a really a time of great change and mm. and that leaders need it's almost like the the way i think about it is and, and Finns are awesome sailors, so you probably can relate to this metaphor, but it's like being in a choppy sea. The wind is blowing, you're on the water, you're trying to get to your island off the coast of Helsinki, 
and the waves are high and it's bloody cold out and you have no rudder in your boat. And that's a pretty dangerous situation to be in. That's kind of what's going on for a lot of companies right now. And if you have a purpose, it's kind of your rudder. You know, regardless of when the wind blows or how high the waves are, you've got at least a rudder that you can tack towards your destination. It's not going to be easy, but at least you can always go back to that rudder and know that that's your stable zone. And when you've got that stable zone, you, you can be fearless. If you don't have that rudder, you are fearful and your people are fearful. That's why it's so important to have a purpose and, but more importantly, activate it. So people feel it. So they're galvanized by it. So that when, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, people aren't going to panic and say, oh my God, we don't have a rudder. They're going to be like, okay, I get it. I know what we're about. Yes. That's why we have more black people in running the business. Yes. Now, now I know why we're committed to helping the community. I get it. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing that. That makes complete sense. Oh, my CEO just went on television and talked about, you know, standing up to this issue or that issue. Oh my God. I'm so proud of that. That's exactly what we're about. So instead of it being one-offs, it all ties back to a strategy that is activated. Awesome. I love that. I love that metaphor, by the way, it really clarifies um, what it's about because this sailing boat is always trying to get off course. Always. Yeah. You know, like if you don't have the rudder. So yeah, that's great. And that's kind of the resistance. So yeah. And when, that. You, and, when you're, and when you're a great Finnish sailor and the wind is blowing and the seas are high and you're wearing your really well-designed, beautiful sailing jackets that you can only buy in Finland, yeah. then you know what? You really love it. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a boat when it's like that, uh, but my whole, you, uh, my whole youth, my, my dad is a sea captain and this big sailor. Yeah. So yes, you know, I spent my whole childhood on these islands. So when the sea blows you, they love it. Your dad loves yeah. it. He, yeah. The worst thing for your father is when the water is dead calm and there's no wind. Yeah. But that's because he has a rudder. Same thing with this, with the leader of a company. If you have a purpose and you're activating it, you're like your father. You yeah. love it. You love yeah. when the waves are up because you know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, exactly. It's a good metaphor. I mean, because you feel, you feel more powerful, the more it blows, the more you control, yeah. you know, the storm or, or the, yeah, the conditions. That's great. Thanks so much. Hey, I, I want to finish with a couple of questions. I want to, I want to ask one important question. Why should people get the book? What's in it for them? And who is it really for? The book is written for everyone who wants to feel meaningful in this world and and having a purpose in life is one of the most magical things that you can have you know you get up in the morning and you really know what you want to do um it's ideal for anyone really um yeah it's ideal for um Business leaders, like I said, CEOs, chief human resource officers, chief strategy officers, uh, marketers, chief marketing officers, even chief financial officers. Uh, there's a whole chapter in the book about how a financial officer can think completely differently about equity than the old way of thinking about it. Um, it's also for students, young people, entrepreneurs. Um, and so I think that 
it's a really broad audience and it's written that you can really read it in you know a day it's not a not a massive opus um it's not a brick it's 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 really sort of a quick read and i think the bottom line is look movement thinking has changed behavior and minds for generations i mean since probably 10,000 years in you know when man first started commerce in the fertile crescent and now it's time for for leaders to apply this to the core of their business. Yeah. If you could change one thing, you know, like even like a legacy level thing, what would that be? I would love that every business leader signed up to try to save the world in some way. I think that could, we would see so many positive changes. I think one of the downsides, I mean, there's competitiveness is a positive thing. We see it in sport. Um, however, you know, if you've ever been to a, a terrific sporting match, whether it's a Champions League or the Olympics um, or, um, you know, any, you know, hockey tournament, I know that's a big sport in Finland. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's the, there's the competitive nature of it. But there's also um, a humane aspect to it. You know, sport is there to bring people together. And at the end of the day, when you when you there's a victor and there's a a, a laggard, but everyone shakes hands. Yeah. And there's a human there's a humane and a, and a humanness about that. I feel it's lacking in business. I think that we need purpose to give us a a humane approach to competition so that yes we can destroy the competition and win and and be more profitable but do it in a way that's beneficial for other human beings and animals and the planet and and society i think that mindset is lacking i don't know why it's not taught at harvard business school i mean rebecca henderson is this professor at harvard business school who is really powerfully uh, fighting for purpose to reimagine capitalism but she's but she's not joined by everyone there yeah. and I, th I think I would love to see chief purpose officers in every company, large, small, chief purpose professors at every business school. To me, that would be a massive step up. Yeah, love that. Very beautifully put, by the way. I really love that. It also made me think about people I work with and and how many people have been taught, including myself, business school is like how to, for example, how to find an opportunity for your business if you want to be an entrepreneur. It's like yeah. seek out a market space, you know, find an unmet need. And it's like, yeah, that's the other side of it for me. But like, if you don't love it, if you don't have passion, if you don't have purpose and inner alignment, you're going to hate it. And maybe that's yeah. why some people become greedy and, and sidestep all these, these important matters. So, hey, yeah, um, you, yeah. Sorry, when you look at some people, you know, that they're, they're making their, you know, hundred they're, they're they just made a hundred billion dollars like and and some some leaders are are get it you know bill gates the bill gates foundation has been doing an extraordinary job in fighting malaria um you know warren buffett has been giving money away um jeff bezos ex-wife has just given away a huge sum of money um, some people get it, but that's, that's definitely, those are anomalies. That's not the general mm. population. And, you know, I think, um, 
that's got to change. Uh, in a world full of, as I said at the beginning, the enormity of the problems we face is going to take concerted effort, both from government and business. And the reality is government can do a lot. In some countries, it does better than others. In Finland, it obviously does a great job. I mean, here in the United States, government can ensure that you go to a restaurant and you don't die, you know, or you can get behind the wheel of a vehicle and you don't die. That's the government. And unfortunately, a lot of what the government does is not as visible as, mm. you know, something you would notice tomorrow. Like, that's why here in the U.S., people are like, well, we don't need government. Government doesn't do much. Well, the government does a lot. It's just mm. hard to, to see what they do. Um, many instances. So people try to take advantage of that and build business around privatizing, you know, schools and prisons and things like that. However, um, I think there's an increasing awareness and, and um, I guess understanding that, yes, there are a lot of problems out there and there's a business in solving those problems. Mm. Exactly. I think I always, you know, say this to people, but I think entrepreneurship and business, you know, is and or should be a force for positive change in this world. It's probably one of the best ways to create change, positive change, yeah. if you do it right. So, yeah. Hey, great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was really inspirational. And everyone who's watching and listening should definitely go and, and get the book, Activate Brand Purpose. You can get it from Amazon, I'm sure, and and everywhere, I suppose. There's, web where, where there's a website. Yeah, there's a website, activatebrandpurpose.com. And it's some really extra, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. You can see some great interviews with uh, and conversations with um, Hans Vesterberg, who's the CEO of Verizon, uh, Steve Wozniak, one of the founders of Apple. Wow. Um, there's uh, the head of uh, the CMO of Accenture. Some really wonderful people. So, you know, if you want to be inspired, go to Activate Brand Purpose and there's some great stuff there. Awesome. And where can people connect with you or follow you? Uh, they can follow me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, and you'll just will just search for your name and. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Okay, awesome. Hey, it's been really a privilege, Scott. A big privilege to have you on, and uh, you're really a true change maker. You really fit the theme of this very well. I'm sure <laughs> you just inspired a lot of people who were watching and, and listening to this. And so, thank you so much. This was really awesome. And I, I wish you. you all the best with the great work that you're doing. I mean, this is such a good uh, movement that you have created yourself and you're the leader of it. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I love, as I said, when we started, I, I'm so admired uh, Finland and the way you approach life. And uh, I wish we could adapt. We could adopt a lot of the uh, policies you have in your country, in, in the United States, because you it's, it's a humane and a healthy living environment. And um, also, and, and Finns are quite unique in that they're decisive. You know, I mean, Scandinavia yeah. and the Nordics, stubborn. there are a lot of people. Well, stubborn, but I, my experience with Finns are, um, you know, they're, the Nordics can be somewhat of a matrix uh, business culture where everybody needs to have consensus. That, that exists to some extent in Finland, but I find Finns more decisive. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really uh, unique quality that I admire. Yeah, no, that's thanks so much for sharing. I think it's true. And I think one of the reasons that I did so many brand strategies for Finnish and Nordic companies, and you kind of always go into the same zone. And I think part of the reason, like at least what the research says, is that because the Nordics and Finland are considered some of the most progressive societies in the world. And part of the reason they say is just because we have a very high level of appreciation for each human being. 
So they're mm. like behind democracy, equality, all these kind of big values that are not unique to the Nordics, but they're just very high here. And I think yeah. that's true. I think they kind of emanate from that, that we take for granted. Like, you know, there's certain things which are very democratic, like, you know, I'm not better than you and I should not pretend I'm better than you. Like kind of like those. And, and it's not all positive, I can assure you, but but they're, they're fine values uh, that sets a pretty good foundation for society, I think so. No, it's, they're terrific. And even the way you teach your children how to identify um, media manipulation and, and, you know, fake media, um, that's so valuable. I mean, imagine if, if, you know, the big tech companies in the United States who at the moment benefit from conspiracy theories and, and misinformation, financially yeah. they benefit. Um, I mean, their whole business model is designed to benefit from it. Imagine if they instead had a purpose to teach young people how to identify false and mis misleading information. It would completely change, not not 100% because there's still here other media platforms, but majority of people are get are being fed misinformation and conspiracy theories through technology. And it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so a lot of work to be done. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, got to have the purpose and you got to actually care. I think it's like yeah. you said, when I said it's difficult and you threw back and said it's simple, I, I believe you. I mean, it is simple. Uh, I think that you just got to want it. Uh, I guess that's, that's a big part of it. So Read yeah, the book hey, and you can start easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone go get the book. And again, thanks so much, Scott. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, you know, greetings from New York. Hope you have a great spring and uh, hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right. I'm going to connect with Thank you on LinkedIn and uh, we'll see. Stay in touch.